In week three of the parables of Jesus, uh, having compassion, some making a difference. The widely recognized, um, what's the word, idiom, when, when, when we say the word Good Samaritan, uh, it originates from today's parable. And everyone in this room understands when someone says he or she is a good Samaritan, um, that that is a person uh, who does a good deed for someone else, uh, particularly when they haven't been asked for help or there is no reward for doing so. And this parable this morning teaches us uh, several very good life lessons. Most people, no, let's, 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 let's twist in a little closer. Most Christians think primarily about themselves more than they do about others. And yet our mission as a Christian is to forget ourselves, trust the Lord with our lives and our situations, and focus on others. And we see that um, in this morning's parable. It's, it's long, but I want to um, read it together. It begins in Luke uh, chapter 10. I, I think Luke, in fact, is the only one that gives the complete parable. Uh, and, it, and it's 10 or 12 verses, but let's read it together. Um, they'll put it up for us on the screen. And it begins with, And behold, a certain lawyer um, stood up and tested him, him being Jesus, saying, <coughs> Man, I love the question. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Anybody else have that question? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? He asked a question with a question. Good lawyering. (laughs) Answers a question with a question. What is your reading of it, Jesus says? And he answered, being the young lawyer, said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and and your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. And he said to him, you have answered, Jesus answered him and said, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor. And then Jesus answered and told him this story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, He passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, 
who were the Levites. These were the rulers of the temple, those that took care of the house of God. The Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and likewise passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, we know that Samaritans were hated among the Jews. Why? Because they were considered half-breeds. And they, they, had, they had distorted the Jewish race by marrying when, when the northern kingdom had been um, uh, established. They had married um, of a heathen race uh, rather than marrying among Jews. And so they were hated by Jews. And it says that this certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever, whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three, now he asked this lawyer a question, he said, now which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer stated back, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. It was expected um, that the Pharisees, the scribes, which are, are, were lawyers, religious Jews even, um, that, that they would try to debate theological matters um, in public with Jesus. And why did they do this? They wanted to trip him up. Um, and and, and there, this was a very good question. Um, however, it had to be, as we realize, asked with a bad motive. I mean, you, you don't get any better than, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What do I do to inherit eternal life? And then he asked him again, And who is my neighbor after answering? The, you know, it, it, it's... Because the scribe hoped to trip the Lord up, you'll see that Jesus turns the tables on him. And (laughs) why? Because he knows the heart. He knows what you're thinking before you think it. He knows what your motive is before you do what you do and why you do it. And so Jesus sent this man back to the law. And not because the law saves us. His question, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Not because the law saves us, but because the law shows us that we need to be saved. And in Galatians 2, 16, I I, I don't want you to ever think that, well, I don't believe that to be true. It is our works. It is that we must do good. We must... Well, what did Paul say in Galatians 2.16? It says, Knowing that a man is not justified 
just as if he never sinned. He's not going to inherit eternal life. Not justified by the works of the law. That's pretty plain spoken. So, not justified by works of the law, but how? By faith, but by faith in Jesus Christ. It's Christ that saves. And those that were under the law looked forward to the Messiah, and those by faith, and those that are saved from Christ and the cross and the grave, the resurrection, are saved by believing by faith that Jesus is, is the Christ. And, and, and then it says, We have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Not enough that he said it once, he's restated in Galatians there, verse 16. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. In other words, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Not by works of righteousness, which I have done, Titus says, but according to his mercy, he saved us. We must realize Christ at this point in time was yet to be crucified at this time. So he took him to the law. He gives the right answer. But rather than throwing himself, this scribe, this lawyer, at the mercy of God, he tries to justify himself or, uh, and, and really wiggle out of a predicament that he just put himself in when he tried to cheat, uh, trip Jesus up. And he uses debate. Dale would know what I'm talking about. Our, in, in construction business and, and, and whenever contract disputes, I was a third-party arbitrator for many years. It, it was my job to, to settle disputes and, and on, on major contracts. And what you typically do is you, you, you debate and... You define your terms, and that's exactly what this young lawyer did. He said, what do you mean by neighbor? (laughs) Who is my neighbor? And we can see how wisely Jesus turns the tables on the lawyer immediately. He answers a question with a question. He wants him to... Think of his own answer. He's trying to evade, this young lawyer was, uh, the responsibility. The, and, and when he asked, who is my neighbor? Well, I don't know who my neighbor is, so how am I supposed to love my neighbor as myself? And, and yet Jesus, through this story, which of these three men asked him, who was neighbor to the victim? Big question, to whom can I be a neighbor, is what Christ was saying. A question that we can obviously ask ourselves. Jesus crosses the boundaries in this parable of geography. He crosses the boundaries of citizenship and even race in his story. Wherever people are in need, wherever they need us, there we can be neighbors. It's why we send missions and missionaries throughout the world 
to help those in need. There can be, there, they can be our neighbors. And He shows us no matter what the race. This was a hated individual that goes to this Jew. No matter what the race, no matter what the citizenship, no matter what the color or creed, the lawyer wanted to discuss neighbor in general. And yet Christ forced him to consider the specific need of man laying in a ditch alongside the road. Hmm. How often do we as the lawyer do the exact same thing and refuse to help and get involved and show compassion, mercy, or grace? How easy is it for us to talk about abstract ideas and fail to solve concrete problems? I think the church is probably best at it. We will discuss poverty, or we will discuss job opportunities, or we'll discuss financial difficulties, and yet never personally help a hungry family. We won't help someone find a job even though we have the ability to do so. We won't visit with someone who is lonely or sick or even make a phone call. The lawyer wanted to make the issue complex with, philosophy, with, with being philosophical. But Jesus made it simple and practical. Whoever's in need is your neighbor. <laughs> he moved it from duty to love. He moved it from debating to simply doing something. Christians are not always compassionate and caring. Committees of the church are not always committed. Jesus teaches us the principle that we must go to them. Luke 14.23 says, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For us to sit here in this building week in and week out without going out, and trying to bring someone in, invest and invite them here. We're kidding ourselves if we think we're fulfilling the Great Commission. We need to go to them. This Samaritan went to the one that was in need. He did not pass by on the other side. And most of us can like the priest and the Levite, make excuse as they ignored the victim. The priest would say, well, I'm already serving in church. Why should I go to him? I can only imagine his thoughts. I'm already serving God. Why should I help someone in need? I give in the offering this morning. And that's a good thing. I'm not being critical. 
But there's times that we can go the extra mile above and beyond just giving in the offering and throwing money at something. Sometimes it takes a personal touch, which can be as simple as a phone call, a visit, a meal. The priest probably was anxious to get home. Well, maybe they're still laying in the bushes waiting and they're going to attack me. Why should I take a chance? They'll just take advantage of me. Well, we hear that a lot in Christian circles. I'm not going to help them. They, they, they just take advantage of me. <laughs> They'll let me down. Yeah, they will. Just like you let somebody down. It's not my fault that they were attacked. It's not my fault that they're hungry. Here's one Dolly and I use. Not my monkey, nor is it my circus. <laughs> the priest left it to the Levite. Oh my, how many preachers are guilty of that? Busy road. Someone else will help. <laughs> the Levite didn't help. He did just what the priest did. Nothing. He passed by on the other side. Such is the power, though, of a bad example. The Levite watched the pastor go through and not do anything. Why should I do anything either? They say if you want to know what a church is about, find out what the pastor's about. Most of the times, we leave the acts of compassion and caring to others. We refuse to help, but we pass by on the other side. Someone else will help Mark in street ministry. Someone else will go with Danny Panel to help at CMO. Someone else will go help Kyle at the city mission. Someone else, someone else, someone else. I gave. I did my part. That's true in some instances. But when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you about the need of helping someone, you're quenching the Spirit of God and sinning if you pass by on the other side. We refuse to help and pass by on the other side. I'm busy is most of the time what we say, I have my own issues of life. You want me to tell you how to forget about yourself? How to forget about your problems? How to forget about your issues of life? Help someone in need. Most of the time, when you're helping someone else, you're not thinking about your own issues of life. When you're leading someone to Christ, when you're witnessing 
to someone else. And putting your faith and trust that God's going to take care of you as you take care of someone else, He does the majority of the time. There was no recognition, or this Samaritan without recognition or reward showed compassion on an enemy. Wow. By Jesus making the Samaritan a hero, he disarmed the Jewish lawyer. (laughs) This was not a Jew helping a Jew. This was not even a Jew helping a Samaritan. Think about that. This was a Samaritan helping a Jew. Had the roles been reversed, would the Jew have ignored the Samaritan? Probably so. How is it that we can pass by on the other side instead of helping those in need is a good question for the church. And the Samaritan shows a lavish love. He goes the extra mile. He risked his own life. He spends his own money. The the money that he gives, the denarii that talks about, is, is in fact two days' wages. And not only did he give two days' wages, help him bandage him up, take him to an inn and leave him there, but if you read the story, what he says, he signs a blank check to the innkeeper. He says, if I owe you more, I'll pay it when I return. All with no public reward, with no honor or reimbursement. Wow. Sometimes the unsaved will treat the down and out, the someone in need, better than the church or Christian people. He couldn't even claim it on his taxes. (laughs) What this Samaritan did helps us to better understand compassion, caring, mercy, grace. We read this and think of the high cost of giving, of caring, of helping. It's going to cost me time. It's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me heartbreak. This priest and this Levite through the ages, far more by their neglect than their concern like the Samaritan, lost their testimony. They showed their true character. 
the poor state of their integrity, the poor state of their testimony that had become irreparable. Wow. They lost the opportunity to become a better man or a better woman and a good steward of what God had given them. Yet they're selfish, just selfish, that's all you can say, prevailed. I'll never forget Lyndon and I moved in Willowvale condominiums. And we had a little lady that lived next door to us. She drank worse than my dad did. I, I'd never seen a, a lady that started drinking. I'm not going to tell you her name. But she'd start drinking early in the morning and late at night. You, you didn't want to try to talk to her. Because it was... It just, she just... But you want to know who the first one that knocked on our door when we moved in? And welcomed us to the neighborhood and brought food was Miss Ellie. Wow. I'll never forget her because she was constantly giving and helping. Her husband was complaining about it, but that's what she did. This Samaritan, one deed of lavish love, sacrificial ministry, has inspired millions through the ages. Never say such ministry is wasted. God sees to it that a loving service in the name of Christ is never lost. It all depends on your outlook and your motive. The thieves thought this traveling to the to the thieves, this this traveling Jew was a victim. To the priest and the Levite he was a nuisance to avoid. But to the Samaritan he was a neighbor to love. What Jesus says to the lawyer, he also says to us, go and do likewise. How many unsaved people live in your neighborhood that you're, you're close enough that you know them by first name? And you're not investing and inviting them to Jesus? How many people you work with that you're not investing and inviting to Christ? I heard Bill Kleiber say something yesterday. He said, if I'd have known what I was going to see, I would have tried to take every employee that worked for me. Because of the message of repentance and forgiveness. No guilt, no shame. Wow. 
Loving your neighbor as ourselves is never easy. Nor is it convenient. In fact, it can be hard. But we must realize helping others is a means to building the kingdom. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I'll promise you, employees respond to caring employers. Students respond to caring teachers. The neighbors next door respond to a caring follower of Christ. Maybe it's something as simple as mowing someone's yard, watering their flowers when they can't. James, the brother of Jesus, I believe it is, said it best, and I'll close. Be ye followers or doers, he said, of the word, and not hearers only. Why? Because you're deceiving yourself. We can come in here, raise our hands, clap, dance, <laughs> Gina. We can hoop and holler and run the owls and do somersaults. But if we're not being a neighbor to our neighbors, to those that God has put in our circle of friends, then are we doers of the word or just hearers only deceiving ourselves? Do the people you work with even know you're a Christian? Do they know you care? Wow. Some having compassion, making a difference. I'm not about making points. I'm not about being up in the air and up in arms all the time about something's going on politically, philosophically, some cause against something. People see too much of us against. I want people to know I'm for them. And I want to make a difference in their life. Because I want them to see Christ in what we do and why we do it. Let's stand.